the glove from your hand. Speaking of music, dude, it, it's it's been so interesting, and I I don't think I'll I'll get any other time to talk about this because I don't think it's gonna happen again. But I want to say like how interesting it was for that whole like Kate Bush resurgence to happen after the Stranger Things season four. Did you guys hmm. hear about that? Oh yeah, yeah, nuts. I mean, it was kind of like. She was like number one in in the U.S. charts for like several weeks. Can you imagine that? You release a song way back in the 80s. The artist doesn't have to do anything else. They're just like, yeah, cool. We license our song out to this TV show. Don't think anything of it. And then like months later, you're getting like millions of dollars. I feel like that happens every once in a while. Right. Like more than more than perhaps even more money than she made when she actually released the thing or cumulatively, even up until now, I would be interested in seeing that. I'm making some bold claims here. But um, I mean, I think the Fleetwood Mac song was a precursor to this with the whole uh, uh, ocean spray and that guy doing his skateboarding. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. And here you go. I don't know the words. And that guy wasn't doing anything other than just like riding downhill and he just <laughs> takes a, a swig of ocean spray. That's I think it. it's the backstory that mean that gives it more meaning because his car broke down. And rather oh. than just like rather than complain or whatever, he just grabs his grabs a skateboard his out board, of the yeah. out of the, you know, whatever the cab and then just skates and he had his drink with him. It's like he was on his way to work when his truck broke down and there he is just, hey, life goes on. He's just doing his thing. And side note, ocean spray um, loved it so much. I'm sure he got them a ton of money uh, oh, nice. that they bought him a truck to replace the other one. Yeah, and it was in the color of cran- cranberry color, and they filled it with ocean spray, ocean spray. Uh, his favorite flavor. <laughs> so cool. It, which became no longer his favorite flavor. Yeah, right. he hates it now. <laughs> right. Yeah, he hates it. He hates it. Kind of like this guy I knew in Apple. This dude, made, he he loved this one Snapple flavor, which was limited edition. He bought a crate. Um, he bought a pallet, not a crate, a pallet of them. And then they made it an actual official flavor, and he grew yeah. sick of it before he ever got through that pal. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just like the the Kate Bush song. Like Brenda actually loved that song growing up. I actually had never heard of that song, believe it or not. Same. But um, when when they played it on Stranger Things, I was like, man, this is a dope song. And um, I started hearing it everywhere. It, I heard about the song uh, blown up, and actually, I remember thinking like the song isn't that great why are, why are people that into it and then the more i listened to it i was like okay i mean it, it kind of grows on you after a couple <laughs> couple tries so yeah needless to say brenda was like sick of that song and i was like just getting into it so i mm. thought that was pretty funny the funny thing <laughs> the funny thing is i've heard that song uh since about 2020 i want to say um because meg myers i don't know if you've ever heard of her but this this singer named meg myers covered it in 2019 and so it was kind of making its rounds on like the alternative stations that i listened to Hmm. and so when i heard that it was coming back i thought it had something to do with that and then i found out it had to do with stranger things and i was like oh okay all right should we get into it should we get this started let's dive in all right, you ready, Steph? Okay. How you doing, everybody? Welcome to Afflictionados Podcast, episode 18. We're already in December, people. My name is Eric, and the other voices occupying your head this time are a proud mother of three, lab geek, somebody's sister, and co-host, Stephanie. What's up? And a man of many trades, good friend, colleague, and co-host, Michael. How do you do? <laughs> 
Thank you to all the listeners out there for joining us. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the major podcast streaming services. New episodes drop on the first Saturday of each month, 5 a.m. Pacific. Afflictionados is a monthly podcast where we primarily talk about films that range from mind-numbing to mind-blowing. We also sometimes cover TV shows or other forms of media. We will be getting into spoilers here, and there will be only the healthiest amount of expletives tossed in. You have been warned. Now, if you ain't ready, then get ready. Because in today's episode, we will be discussing the iconic Christmas comedy, Home Alone. You filthy animal. (laughs) Yes. Nice. Beautiful. Just had to get that in there. (laughs) I wrote that myself. Beautiful. Okay, John Williams. I was going to say, yeah. (laughs) I know that this is Michael's favorite Christmas movie of all time. Mm -hmm, You were mentioning mm -hmm. that just before we started recording. Oh, yeah. Where does this rank for you, Steph, in terms of Christmas movies? It's definitely up there. It's one of my favorites. The funny thing is somehow, I don't know know about you. I mean, we grew up together, but somehow I grew up with Home Alone 2 as my yearly Christmas movie. And so that's the one I was more familiar with. I don't know why that is, but I, for whatever reason, dad may have forgot to buy the VHS of the first one and he just kept forgetting and we never got around to owning it. So I was, I know, I know Home Alone, I knew Home Alone 2 really well. And at some point, I want to say like five years ago, I was like, you know what? I want to watch the original. Like I, I, I had never seen it or seen very little of it. And it's the it's the classic the one where he's home alone at his actual house like i have to i have to give it a chance right mm-hmm. so i watched it and of course i loved it and so now that's in my my normal christmas rotation so i, I watched nice. that one do you have like uh, an actual list of movies that you you definitely want to watch every holiday season pretty much yeah i always watch mm-hmm. now home alone home alone 2 lost in new york nice mm-hmm. and the santa claus and the holiday Oh, man. Those are some great movies. Don't forget to throw Die Hard in the rotation somewhere as well. Right. The ultimate Christmas movie. The ultimate. Um, I would also throw in Elf. I was going to say, that's that's a classic. Yeah, for sure. Elf is funny. I know you haven't seen his stuff, but maybe... Well, I actually have. I've seen it once, but it's just... I'm just not... Will Ferrell? A huge Will Ferrell fan. Will Ferrell. So, it it doesn't hit me like it hits other people. Hits different. If you like Zoe Deschanel, she's in that movie as well. Yeah. She's all right. She's cute. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Home Alone came out in 1990, directed by Chris Columbus. And this is actually the second Chris Columbus film Affliction Owls podcast has done so far. The first being episode five, Rent. Do you oh, remember that one? Do I remember that one? I remember <laughs> seeing this name. I was like, Chris Columbus, where have we seen that name? And I was like, yep. Sure enough, we we already did one of his movies, so yeah, that was that was a lot. I mean, of fun. he's done a lot of movies, so I've seen I've seen that name all my life. But I think it's uh, important to note that it was uh, written by John Hughes. You may yeah. know him from such movies as uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Pretty yeah. in Pink, The Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles, right? Sixteen Candles, all the vacation movies. Better Off Dead was Better Off Dead one of those. Uh, might have been. I don't, I don't have them all memorized, but I don't know if he did all the vacations. It was just the first one, right? From my he, well, he did uh 
Vacation and he did Christmas Vacation for sure. Okay. Wow, classic. And then Home Alone one, Home Alone two. I think he actually did some like the some of the later Home Alones that uh, flopped. Ouchies. Oh, right. Like basically everything after two. <laughs> I don't know if he did all right. of them, but I definitely know he did something like kind of recently, like Home Alone four or something like that. I think there's a TV show, if I recall, and it's with that uh, chunky kid from Jojo Rabbit. Oh, oh what? Okay. Oh yeah, is, you know uh, what? He's a good actor. No, I think that was a movie. Isn't was it? That a movie? I thought it was a TV show. Huh. I could be wrong. But yeah, it's definitely that kid. The 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 one that's like always giving hugs and he's like always like happy The one that won't Jodo. die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, him. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, he's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. great. With the glasses and yeah. No, he was. So he apparently he's the new Kevin McAllister. I don't know if they just went with a different family or what. I Oh, I think, you know what? I think it's supposed to be like uh, his kid or something like that. Sweet, not watching that yeah can't wait to miss that cute kid but i don't know it's like it's just a movie 2021 oh it's just a movie not a tv show yeah yeah there's something about so that boy i don't know because this was uh macaulay culkin's breakout role uh you know you don't even know what this kid's about really and uh actually he's cute he's real right he's he's cute he he's in uncle buck which is also a john hughes movie i believe and uh, it's a little bit part. He's, he's one of the kids that uh, John Candy, Uncle Buck, is is babysitting, taking care of while uh, the parents have to Funny leave thing town. is that John Candy is also in Home Alone. Right, in right. the van at the very, yeah. The Polka but, King. Right, Polka King, that's right. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, so I think what works so well with this movie is that you really don't know who the heck this kid is. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how the other one would go because he was such a sweet the, the this home sweet home alone or whatever that kid was really really sweet in in jojo rabbit uh and, and endearing um is he the same in this one who knows right well right right exactly where where so in my mind he's already kind of like oh that's who i'm gonna see when i saw this movie i really i th- i don't even think i'd seen uncle buck at that point i had only seen i was just a little kid and i saw this and i was like he's just a badass kid he's just got an attitude you know and he's he's smart and uh anyway just uh really really yeah. cool so i think that's what made it work so well is because he's he's like you don't know which way he could go is he edgy is he sweet i don't know kind of he plays both. well he, he looks sweet but it's like he's he's a little bit of a brat he is and a we'll, little we'll, we'll definitely get into that because i i got a lot to say about that but i had sure. a couple pieces of information that that i found pretty interesting so check this out the year came out 1990 it actually came in number two in the highest grossing films um behind ghost Whoa. and it actually beat out pretty woman you know, more people, more people could see Home Alone though, because it's That's a family true. movie. Pretty Woman is not a family movie. What? Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> not, not really geared towards little kids or ghosts, for that matter. The yeah, funny thing is, I loved that movie when I was a kid, but I didn't get you know anything about, uh, you know what she like what she did and her, oh, me her profession and stuff like that, and like the oh, references yeah. she made, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I just didn't understand any of that stuff, but I still liked that movie because it had that whole uh, My Fair Lady thing going on. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, so. Taming of the Shrew. Shout out to the original score in this film. Very recognizable, fit the holiday atmosphere, and carried a fun, whimsical feel, I felt like. Yeah, yeah. It's a fun, whimsical Composed feel. Composed by John Williams. You may know him from the likes of Star Wars or Harry Potter. Or Superman. Mm-hmm. He did Superman, Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones. This dude did the intro themes for all of those. He also wrote the intro theme for the Olympics. 
No shit. I did not. Yeah, that song. He wrote that. I found that out when we went to the John Williams concert last year. Nice. Low key. Why does that sound like Star Wars? Oh right, right. Bum bum bum. Yeah, uh, but I, what I like about what I was actually thinking about this uh, yesterday, the song for Home Alone, when the when it's when it first starts, right? You have the Touchstone Pictures thing come through, mm. and that was super. That was like, oh, it's really nice. It's friendly. It's it's Disney. And then uh, you have the house in the background, and it just gets larger and larger as it's as you. I don't know. That it, that house logo is iconic too, right? Because it's just like so a iconic. simple out, yeah. like silhouette of a house in like one window. And that's it. That's all it is. Someone's home. But like the the song, the way it starts off, like. Uh, it sounds so pleasant, and then it gets into some mischief. It's so funny how yeah, you can it's convey kind of mischief because it's like then it goes dun 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 dun. You know, it's like it's a little. You're like, it's not. It's not just like sweet like any of the other things he's done before. Definitely, it's like there's some mischief in here. This yeah, you're like, okay, what what are we? What kind of shenanigans are we about to get into? Yeah, I noticed that. Like the song, the intro song told a story. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, if you're paying attention to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're introduced to the McAllister family as they prepare for their imminent family Christmas vacation trip to Paris. And apparently everyone meets up at Peter and Kate's suburban Chicago mansion because they can just house the whole damn family. It's true. Their their family is what, like four or five people deep? Their immediate family? And then this house has like 20 bedrooms. 20 bedrooms. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's that house is obese for sure. There's no reason why they should have this house, but Peter and Kate can afford this because they're just like, yeah, it's no big deal. You know, everyone just come to our house. We'll fly you guys down and we'll fly you to Paris. They do mention, I always thought that it was Peter paying for the whole vacation and you would think so because of that house. Right. But they actually mention that it's Peter's brother who lives in Paris and the kids are still going to school in America and he misses the family. So he's having his kids come out, but he's also just flying the whole rest of the family out too. So the brother so it's actually Peter's for- brother paying for the vacation, oh, but still Peter has a pretty sweet house. So, so which, uh, which kids were in America and they're flying back? I think the ones that spoke French. Remember like the one that was You're all what like the French call les incompetents. Mm, that one. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. The ones that had like basically no French accent. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, they're learning. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're still, I, I think they're still born in America, you know? Oh, were they? Okay. I thought they were like born. I don't think they were there. like, yeah, I think, I think he just went to Paris for work or something like that, but he left everybody behind. I don't know. Interesting. I mean, that's kind of what I, that's kind of how I felt about it. That's what I got out of it. So his wife is there too. His wife is out there uh, at the McAllister's or is he, or she with him in Paris? Oh, well, it doesn't matter, I guess. Actually, I don't, I don't know. know. She, she doesn't fit in the story. But anyone that's interested in that house, if you want to go check it out, this gorgeous house is located in Illinois, um, just not Chicago. It's actually located in the city of Winnetka, Illinois. Winnetka. That's where I'm going for my next vacation. Yeah, you can go down there. You can actually drive up to it. I don't know if you can Airbnb it, but you can drive by it, take some photos. Um, And then, so Kevin McAllister, played by Macaulay Culkin, is, of course, then introduced as the main protagonist. Uh, What are your guys' feelings on the Kevin character? You know, everyone, like, I feel like watching it now, um, you know, watching it as a kid and stuff, you know, he's he's a mischievous kid or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, maybe he's not, you know, perfect behavior-wise, but I feel like everyone kind of treats him like shit and it kind of made me sad i thought the same way yeah 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 he's kind of like picking on him you know he's the yeah. smallest one 
What's up with that? Yeah. I must say, Macaulay's acting is fantastic, but I don't know. I feel like the Kevin character <laughs> is kind of bratty for me. Like, I don't know. At first, for like the good first chunk of the movie, I didn't really like him. Like, I know that. And I guess he's supposed to be like that so that he has his little. Yeah, like he, he like evolves over time. But yeah. I'm just like kind of rubbing me the wrong way <laughs> the first time. It's funny because he, he kind of reminds me of Julian when Julian acts up. And then when he comes into the room and he's like, you know, mom, Uncle Frank won't let me watch this movie or whatever. And then she's like, I'm on the phone. And it reminds me so much of me where, where, you know, Julian's like, you know, mom, 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 mom. And I'm like, wait until I am done talking. You're like, get out of here, nosy little pervert. I'm going to slap you silly. (laughs) Home alone, too. (laughs) Home alone, too. Ah, you're cooking, Frankie. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the for me looking at that movie i definitely get the vibe that yeah he's he's just because he's this little little runt he can't get no respect he's no, just trying he to cannot. get a t- he's just trying to get a little respect and everybody's mm-hmm. just brushing him aside everyone talks over him it seems like there's just a lot of commotion and it's not so much like a matter of no, there's no respect shown to the person speaking. Everyone talks over each other and him being the little guy. He gets no attention from anyone. He gets yeah. no attention. So he's trying to make his needs, you know, he wants his needs met. So he's trying to make himself, you know, known. And then Buzz is just, uh, it's just bully. Buzz. He's just a bully. He's jealous. Um, He's got a chip on his Buzz shoulder. Buzz sounds and... like a bully's name. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he he's just there to, he just loves No offense to any him. Buzzes out there. <laughs> Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> mm-hmm. There is there is one littler guy which they made clear would pee in the bed if he drank anything at dinner. Who is also played by Macaulay Culkin's little brother Kieran. That's right, mm-hmm. exactly. So he is actually related. Which the funny thing is, I didn't think they actually looked related when they're younger, but as they got older, they definitely look related. Yeah, I could I could see it as he got older, and now there's actually there's this uh this this Rory Culkin character that's that's also an actor, but he is closer. I don't know how old you are, Michael, but he's closer to our age, Eric. Rory? Or, yeah. Okay. Is, so Kieran's... How old is Kieran? They're born in the early 80s, oh, okay. the both of them. Like 80... Gotcha. I think Macaulay Culkin's 80 and Kieran is 82 or something like that. Gotcha. And then okay. Rory is like 88 or something like... Yeah, something like that. Okay. That seemed was funny, too, with Kieran, because it's like... They're like, lay off the... What was the line? It's like, go easy on the Pepsi. Pepsi, (laughs) Fuller, go easy on the Pepsi. You know you're going to wet the bed, exactly. But he gives him the eyebrows. like "Mm." Yeah, he's just like, (laughs) yeah. "Yeah." Hope you brought your swimming trunks. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) But no, so for me, it's just... Not only can he not get in a word edgewise, and everyone just keeps brushing him aside, add insult to injury... He's got to then sleep with this kid. You could see it's building. It's it's the, the tension is built. That's exactly what's happening. Oh, tension yeah. is building. This kid can't be. He won't be heard. Uh, he's got a bully for a brother, bully for an uncle also. And uh, and then yeah, really. you have them just basically throwing. You know, I don't know. They're just like, oh, on top of that, yeah, oh yeah, this kid's probably gonna wet the bed, and he has had it. That's it. He's I'm done. I want my pizza. And well, yeah, they have they order ten pizzas, and no then people still manage to eat all of the cheese pizza. They actually did order cheese. It's just they didn't save any for him. Or at least that's what Buzz said. I mean, okay. Kevin I, I never checked I think... to. I know Kevin never checked to verify that. Could have just been instigating. Yeah, yeah could have just oh, been totally. instigating. Especially because but... he was just like, mm, and just like shoving the pizza down his throat, and he's like, "You're not going to be able to eat any." And so that's when he gets all pissed off. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, he's just finally it's he snaps. He's just like, "No." Nah. I don't want to ask you guys though. 
being the oldest siblings, what were your experiences like having an annoying younger sibling? I wanted you to go away a lot. So I guess I can kind of get that. <laughs> <laughs> what's the what's the age difference between the two of you? Two years. Two years. Okay. Yeah, for me, um, that that wasn't the case, actually. My brother was, uh, I don't know, my, my dad being... Um, being a hairstylist, he was always, you know, he always bring us over to friends' houses and things like that. We were always going out. So we, my brother and I really only had each other. Um, mm. So sometimes we'd be in these adult situations, right? And it was cool because we got to meet a lot of cool people. But anytime we were in a situation where we didn't really feel like we wanted to socialize or whatever, we only, you know, we can't talk to, a, you know, whatever adults, you can only say so much and do so many like party tricks before you're like, okay, I'm done. Um, and so Paul and I, he's a, he's a year younger than me. Uh, we were just each other's little besties and stuff, even though no. we got into we scrapped. We definitely scrapped. I had a chip. I had a little chip on my shoulder, too. So I, I had my bully. What would you phase. guys fight about? For me? Because <laughs> you guys are so close in age that I thought you guys would have a lot in common. Oh, we did. We did have a lot in common. And uh, I think oftentimes it was really just me asserting this older brother um, will like it was like. The typically it was like if he if he was walking by, it was silly shit, too. It was really, really silly shit. But it was like big ego, real big ego uh, and like big enough to fill the room. And so if he stubbed, if he kicked my foot when he was walking by, if I was sitting on the couch and he got up to go grab a drink or something and he kicked my foot, on I couldn't let it slide. Yeah, it, it was a total accident. Yeah, he was just walking by and just didn't didn't realize he kicked my foot until he did it. I would shove him. You know, I couldn't let anything like that go by. It wasn't even like I would slap whatever's in his hand out or anything like that. It was just like shove, you know, just like, hey, huh. I'm here, like you know, yeah. sorry, sorry. So it was mostly Julia like that. that. Yeah, it was it was like that. It was just like, hey, like because the way that I saw it was if I allow myself to be disrespected by my younger sibling, then they'll think they can continue to get away with it. How far does it go? Kind of thing. I don't want you to think that you can take me on. You know what I mean? So it was just like, hey, respect. Show respect to your elders, damn it. So do you feel like you you like recognize that you were kind of a, a little shit back then? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Did you also kind of feel that way, stuff? I don't know. I felt like you just, I mean, t- correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you wanted my attention or if it was my attention or just attention in general or what. I think it was, it's the whole younger sibling wanting to be and do everything that the older sibling's doing. Like you just, you want to be around them all the time. And so you would like, you, you, I don't know, follow me around and, you know, get in me and my friend's business. And I would be like, hey, go away, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. I wonder if it would have been the same if you guys had only been a year apart. I, I'm just... or, if, or if we were the same gender or something. Right, right, exactly. Because... Uh, it just was different. My, my brother's friends were basically like became my friends and any of my friends, of course, got along yeah. well with my brother, Paul. So and we were basically like the same height. Uh, when I was younger, I was a little bit taller, but got into high school and Paul shot up. So he's it's like an inch, inch and a half taller than me. We did have a little bit of that because Eric uh, had this this uh, weird habit of making older friends. Hmm. That's still the case to this day, honestly. Like, I just, I feel more comfortable hanging out with older people. And he ended up marrying uh, someone from my grade, so <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, but you know what? A couple of years when you're an adult, like, that's nothing. Yeah, that's not a big anything. deal. Yeah. Totally. Did you guys think that Peter and Kate were kind of shitty parents at all in this movie? Because it's like, <laughs> they were just letting so many people, like how you were saying earlier, like talk down to Kevin and treat him like shit all the time. And even the extended family. And I'm like, no, nah, what the fuck? Like the cousins and everything were all talking down to him. Like I said, Kevin kind of reminded me of Julian a little bit. Like if, you know, I'm talking to Andrew and 
Julian's trying to talk over us or something and I'll be like, look, you need to wait for us to be done, you know? And then, you know, he continues talking to Kate and she's like, you know what? Just get out. Just get out right now. I've totally done that. I've been there. I've done that. I've said that. I've been there. But do I always make sure they're all accounted for when I go somewhere? Yes. I also Mm. don't have five kids, though. Just saying. That's a a, a healthy amount. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin um, has four siblings. Four siblings. Yeah, I think that she and I and I, again just speculating here, but the fact that they do get they, they are they be, they are the nice guys, they are the nice nice people, and so they almost um, acquiesce to anything their their guests say. You know, they're so kind I think of people pleasers. If they're people yeah. pleasers, and it's a and it's frustrating to be a people pleaser because uh, then your needs aren't being met either, and it's almost it's funny because it's as though Kevin is doing the very thing that they want to do, which is to assert their will at times and just be like, and demand respect that they deserve. But instead they just get kind of push, push, push. And then he's coming in and, and they're already annoyed because of the things that are going on in their house as it is. And, and getting, and and there's all the stress of getting things ready for the trip. And she's just like, you know, get out. I think it's more Kate than Peter. And you know, I think is interesting about, about the dynamic with Kevin is that he's, he's actually pretty tough skin for being the youngest in the family. And, um, I think you have to be with four older siblings. I feel like he's going to grow up with like a lot of anger issues, but um, <laughs> I, I I think that when he's like attempting to defend himself and he talks back and then it's almost like him saying anything in retaliation or self-defense is even worse. And so they come down even harder on him. The parents are like, like Kevin, no, no, no. You're not supposed to talk like that to your, your brother and sister. But yet they turn a blind eye when Buzz says all his shit, you know, or any of the cousins or sisters uh, say shit to him. And so I thought that was kind of an interesting dynamic. And that's kind of what was what was building the angst in Kevin until it got to the boiling point. And then it just bursts out and he just attacks Buzz. It's a, it's a healthy thing, uh, honestly. The way I see that him uh, burst out now, it's so, it's so different. I have such a different perspective on it all. I, I just I listened to some some stuff lately. Uh, uh, Dr. Gabor Mate is, is a really interesting uh, podcast that he had. He just released a book. He's, he's a really interesting person, a psychologist, psychiatrist rather. But one of the things he talks about is just that healthy expression of uh, our in our youth and how if you confine that, if you tell this person that you are only lovable when you do these things. So you being the way you are is not lovable unless you do the things I tell you to do, then mm. you are preventing that child from expressing their emotions and getting to learn how to tangle with them. So instead, what ends up happening is they tend to have this aversion. So if they experience this emotion, rather than acknowledging to themselves that they have experienced the anger, I'm experiencing these feelings of anger right now, they 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 push it away. And it's like that. It's like the emotions themselves want to come up. It's like a, holding a beach ball underwater. And, you know, it takes a lot of strain to, to do that, but eventually it's going to want to come up. It's going to express itself. Mm-hmm. And so because, and, and they say, um, uh, one, another psychologist told me once, uh, if it doesn't come out in a healthy way, it'll come out in an unhealthy way. Either way, you're bottling something up and eventually it's going to explode. So the pressure builds because Kevin wants wants to express himself. He wants to say something. He's getting frustrated and no one's listening. So he yeah. just does what is going to happen. He's going to say this because it, it's healthy. I'll add to that by saying that, you know, he tries to be nice. No one pays attention to him. So he only gets attention when he lashes out. So that's why he lashes out so much is because that's the only time anyone pays attention to him. They won't listen to him otherwise. And he tries to play their game because he sees them and they give him the example of being people pleasers. Right. So he says and so he thinks to himself in this family, this is the example we we just 
kowtow. We do these things this way. And so he plays there by their rules. And eventually it doesn't work. So he's just like, I, I got to be me. That's what I love so much about his character. That's what I love about him. Although he can be perceived as being a brat. Mm-hmm. Um, I can more see abrasive. In, abrasive, right? But he's no, he's no more abrasive than that vindictive buzz, his brother, right? That guy is in crazy, incredibly abrasive but then oh i was just turns to the parents oh please blah 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 just plays it to them and, and they believe him yeah yeah and they it's easier he's the it's, oldest it's cleaner. right he's the oldest <laughs> they can do no wrong whatever i don't know kevin can get on everybody else's nerves because he is trying to make himself known it's 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 all it's this weird cycle it's kind of interesting now that i look at it but it's a different take on the protagonist too because typically the protagonist is like very likable throughout the whole movie and they're the ones that you want to root for but early on they purposely make it so you don't want to root for for kevin and then that you kind of grow with his character as he matures throughout the movie and then he becomes more like when you're like yeah you know like look at this little guy he's he's getting it done I, I yeah. get it. Get, it really does per- depend on your perspective, though, because uh, even now, as a kid, I was always like, this kid is badass. I liked him because <laughs> he was such a badass. I was always like, this kid's a pro- this kid's like the he coolest takes from kid. No one. Yeah. He takes shit from no one. Exactly. I can't even tell you. Like, that's why this movie is he, my favorite. He will favorite. fight the whole damn house. All 50 people in that house. <laughs> he will if he has to. Gee, dang it. Anyway, uh. But yeah, he, that's why. So I always, I thought he was a badass. So I'm coming at it. I did too, it, but I mean, that was from Home Alone too. Oh, right. And he totally was a badass in that movie. Yeah. But like th- this one just, it, it, it just wrecked my little uh, Michael world. I was a little confused at the way Harry's character was introduced in the movie because he's basically the first person you see before everyone. So you're introduced to the protect or the antagonist, which you don't know is the antagonist yet, but you see him before anyone else. And and I'm just kind of wondering, like, why is this cop just standing here and, like, no one is paying attention to this police officer? They're, everyone is apparently too busy to to give this police officer two seconds, including the parents. I found it I found it the opposite. I found it very clear. He's there to case the joint, and his excuse oh, is, his excuse is, and he says this to eventually to Peter, his excuse is that, oh, you know, we're just going around and make sure, making sure that, you know, you, you have all your safety measures in place because there's been a lot of burglaries in the area lately. Ha ha ha. Yeah, so I, I get that. But it's like, in what movie do you typically see the antagonist before anyone else? And he's just, and he's he's kind of like getting most of the screen time, you know, for like the first five <laughs> minutes in the film, he keeps cutting back to him. He's just kind of like patiently standing there. And the whole, whole time you're just like, who the, who the fuck is this guy? I feel like it's very, I, it's funny because I never realized that these were John Hughes movies. And now that I know, I feel like it's very clear. He has his his own style about him, you know, it's like his own mm. his own universe thing going on. I love the way I feel like this is this is a part of like you, you see, oh, you know, he's here, he's um he's he's asking questions, pretending to be a cop, mm-hmm. casing the joint, and then he makes it they make it clear like that Kevin notices his gold tooth. Bling. yeah the little yeah it shines yeah or gleams Bling. yeah and then that that doesn't even happen until after they pay off the pizza delivery boy right and they pay they pay him attention they finally pay attention to the cop when the pizza shows up <laughs> they get rid of the pizza delivery boy first and then they're like oh by the way uh where you here like what do you need i'm like it took them that long to recognize this fucking cop i feel like that's i think i feel like that's a joke you know like they recognize the pizza boy first because he has the pizza 
That's what I was joking with you was like, this family has no problems that they allow strangers in their home and they think it's- They're also white, fun. just saying. That's also very true. <laughs> they, they definitely seem like a privileged family. They live in a nice neighborhood. They don't worry about strangers standing in their home. They're like, oh yeah, that's fine. Yeah, just come on in. Enjoy some pizza. <laughs> oh, by the way, what's your name? Who are you? <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> Another very John Hughesy thing about this movie is how everything else kind of just falls into place. Like, you know, the tree rubs against the wire and the power goes oh. out and- um it you know shows the morning and right does this happen in other movies like because you said it, it's like a traditional it's like a i feel like well i feel like yeah just the way that the way he like shows how everything lines up the way it does to to do this and to do that um i feel like i've seen you know the way that the way that he lines things up to happen like that you see that mm. in his in his okay. stuff you know okay yeah i can definitely see it in the second movie for sure because it, home alone 2 is almost like Back to the Future 1 and 2, where the second movie is basically the first movie just redone in mm, a different setting. Right. They have a lot of the same jokes. They have a lot of the same events that kind of happen in order, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like the manure and right. the skateboarding. And so I felt like in Home Alone 2, there's just like a lot of things that conveniently happen. You know, he, they, he does a lot of the same jokes. He uses the same movie, like the, you have 10 seconds to get out my door or whatever. Right, right. Uh, well, my tummy gun, Yeah. I'll plug you. So it's just like a lot of the same jokes over and over again. So I can see why that might be the case for those two movies. But I was trying to think of like an example, like a similar example in his other movies. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's uh, it's good storytelling because it really lets us know that he doesn't leave any gaps. He's, he's like, why? Uh, why didn't their alarm clock go off? No, he shows the power go out. Yeah. And then he shows the person working on it the next day. So then you're not left to wonder what happened. You know, the neighbor kids like bugging the, the van drivers, asking a ton of questions. And then they count him as Kevin by accident. And then he just walks off and is like, bring me something from France. Right. That character is mm -hmm. only needed for that head count. Yep. That's a whole. That's yeah, that's his, that's his deal. And then as they're leaving, someone comes up and they're like, oh, so you're not going to have you're not going to like we fix the power, but you don't have any phone line for the next few days. You're not going to have a phone for the next few days. So that sets up how like they couldn't reach anybody reach like they couldn't reach neighbors. They couldn't reach Kevin. They couldn't, you know, like that. That's why they couldn't reach anybody once they right. got to Paris. I did want to give a shout out because this is this is around the time where Kevin lashed out and then he he was getting grounded up in the attic. Um I would fucking love to have that attic. That attic right? was dope. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Nothing was bigger than the master bedroom. I almost <laughs> had that, and I'm so, sometimes I still think about it. If it had a third story, and it would have been badass. Let me just say though, you would not want that top loft as your bedroom. Honestly, like after one year living not in as it, a because bedroom. during the summertime, the top floor gets the fucking hottest. Yeah, like mm. AC does nothing up there. Oh. Be cool as a guest room, though. So, yeah, I just had to vent my frustration on that for the world. Duly noted. Duly noted. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, going back to what you guys are talking about with, like, how everything conveniently was happening. Um, uh -huh. So that way they would be late. Did you guys feel like there was almost like this spiritual or, like, otherworldly influence that was happening like because when kevin says like you know i wish I, that you guys would just go away i never see you again that night that's when oh, and like, then no and then kate's like say it again maybe it'll happen oh that's right that's and then he says said. it again and stomps off and that's when i feel like that's what manifested it you know mm -hmm. so is this mm -hmm. one of those like be careful what you wish for like you kind of have like a little God, bit like figure that's fun with them 
I definitely think uh, you know, you get some of that obviously because that's how Kevin feels, you know, and if, and as the as the movie goes on, he misses his family more and more. But do I think there was some sort of hand spiritual hand in it? Not really. I think it was just coincidence. I, I like I like the illusion though to it potentially being kind of magical. There's no yeah. I like how it's not really like fairy and there's like no John Williams doesn't make a real like a there's no sound, like wind like, that blows when he says it or yeah right, sounds or right. anything like that, that would but... be fucking cheesy and it wouldn't be my favorite if that's the case but the fact that it's kind of alluded to is a uh, is nice I like, I like you, that you don't quite know but it's like this all the non-committal shit <laughs> conveniently <laughs> happened you know in a specific way almost like final destination status precisely form, form your own conclusion exactly and they don't ever address that again. It's not like some wind happens again and then it's like everything magically works out. Yeah. For These days, I feel like they would. I think people would try to answer it with some bullshit like that. Right. I love how it's not. <laughs> In comedic fashion, um, of course, with the electricity going out, everyone oversleeps. Uh, you know, as already mentioned, pandemonium ensues for everyone to rush and make their Paris flight. So what do you guys think of the this scene where every, there's just chaos happening? It, it's almost like it, it's... It's kind of cartoonish in a way. I think you chose the right word for it. Pandemonium. Pandemonium. All <laughs> the demons. All the demons. Just everybody just whoosh flying around. Just all this chaos, right? It's like the, it, everything is sped up. So it's like you have everyone running through the house and then they just take that film and they just speed it up like double speed. And, and the then they have the music. Is, yeah. The really hectic music. Oh, it's fucking good. It's just, yeah. it's so fun and it's like little marchy kind of. And it's just like, oh shit, everyone's going, they're bumping into each other. And yeah, it's good. It was a lot and of, fun. of course, you don't see Kevin the entire time. Yeah, I, I like how they did that because they purposely kind of kept him out of your mind. So you're like, oh, he's probably in there somewhere in this, like, you know, all these blurs right. happening. Right, right, right. Exactly. He must be one of the few that's in there. And just, oh, yeah, of course. I also like the <laughs> the running gag of, like, everyone that pulls up always runs into their like, <laughs> statue. I know. <laughs> Every single fucking time. <laughs> yeah, the pizza guy. <laughs> The shuttle van. They, I think they do it in in the second movie too, don't they? Oh, they do. I think yeah. And then the dad picks it up and whatever, and leans it. Oh, can we go again? But it's just funny because it just. Why is that even there? Just get rid of it. I know. And what what do you guys think of the reveal when you know everyone makes it on the plane? You're like, whew, you know, they made it on time. Awesome. And then it cuts back to the house, and then like, and this is this is the part that I love. He comes out right, crazy bad head, super cute. Oh, it's comes funny, downstairs, yeah. turns on the TV. Watches it for a while, turns off the TV, and then is like, Mom? <laughs> yeah, he was like, Something's weird. And he's looking around. There's no <laughs> noise, nothing. It's quiet. He's like, Hmm, this house is way too quiet. Yeah. This is suspicious. He was like, Completely forgot that there were 15 people in this house just last night. I think he's also conditioned to just like cancel out all this ambient noise around him. So he, he goes down and he's just already like ignoring everything. He's He has like tunnel vision. He's like, I'm just going to get some cereal, do my thing. I'm not going to talk to anyone because they're a bunch of assholes. But then he figures out that everyone's gone. Yeah, the fur- the furthest thing from his mind is that he would be left alone as a kid. You know what I mean? He still trusts. He leans on them for different things. He's asking them for pizza. You know what I mean? Like he's you, the last thing you would think is that your family would would leave you. You know, yeah. for this trip. Yeah, so he's, he's like, not responsible for making sure that everyone makes it on the plane. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So he's just thinking. You know, of course, when the time is right, they're gonna they're gonna come get they'll me. Let him, so it's yeah, they'll like, let him know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one one interesting thing, and I I looked this up like years ago, 
and I don't exactly remember. I think I was trying to find out, you know, the, the how he watches these old movies, like the the mm. the little holiday movie that was on the TV, the movie, the gangster movies that he's always watching uh, in mm-hmm. number one and number two. I looked him up to find out what their deal was, because I was like, these aren't real movies. Did they no. literally just hire people just to make these little movie. snippets of the movie within the movie? And yes, they did. And yeah. so the fun fact about these is that. Um, you know the guy, the the mob boss guy. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Yeah, that guy. He he was him and the other guy, the guy that gets shot up, were actually supposed to be switched, but mm-hmm. he broke his leg or something like that, and so they <laughs> they had they switched roles so that he would be in a more of a seated all the time role because he's the boss, you know. So he's just sitting there like, "Where's my money?" and uh that worked out for him because then he got to come back for number two and do the same role again for the next the movie. Same movie. So. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> kind of, yeah. And so, um, yeah, that ended up working out for him because since he didn't get shot up, he got to be rehired for the next movie. So I, I found that interesting snippet out. I and wonder he, if he know, did it on purpose. Right. He's <laughs> like, Oh, my right. ankle. I can't stand. I got to sit down. I guess I, yeah. let's just switch roles. Yeah. That'll work. Oopsie poopsie. <laughs> Um, I wanted to to see if you guys also caught this, but I loved how they portrayed this like freedom, like how you guys are saying the independence, right, of um, of being alone. So it's like Kevin has the whole house to himself. You get the sense that this has never happened before. And so he has like the, all this freedom. He's like, I have free reign over the entire house. But I also feel like it's kind of cool because they, they add like this scariness almost to it like it's like there's something kind of intimidating about being all by yourself and you know you're responsible for yourself and and uh they're so they're playing both sides where it's like sure you know it's fun and you can do whatever you want but also at the same time you're no one's gonna be taking care of you you gotta do it yourself yeah like how he started taking responsibilities like he he was doing the laundry and going shopping and stuff but he also started shaving (laughs) for no reason oh that's no reason (laughs) oh because that's just what a man does and he's a man of the house now yeah he's man of the house now i I was gonna ask where did he get the money from but i remember now that's what he went to buzz room buzz's room for was his uh his money jar so that that's why i was like i don't know if he was necessarily not trying to ruin shit because he was like i'm gonna get your money i'm gonna steal your money no matter what and he just like breaks he rips down all of those shelves i don't think he expected the shelves to collapse he was just trying to climb yeah, he was just like, I have needs. Like, I need this money now more than your shelf needs this money. Like, I need to buy things for myself. And how did he know that it was up there? Every oh, Siblings always know their sibling secrets. That's true. That's true. Buzz's girlfriend. Wolf. wolf. <laughs> yeah, Wolf. Yeah. Which is actually a, a boy in, with a wig on, apparently. Really? They wanted to have, like, this, like kind of hideous looking girlfriend so they're like let's just grab like uh, a random boy and like throw a wig on him and take like this like stupid photo (laughs) and and that was gonna be his girlfriend Mm -hmm. obviously being by yourself anything is possible and predictably (laughs) a kid that that has like control over what you do and what you eat all he wants to do is eat pizza and ice cream (laughs) hell yeah as a kid as a kid, that's all I would have eaten too. The interesting thing is that, like, I swear, every time he took a bite, it was like different ice cream. Was it really? I mean, I think he was eating like Neapolitan or something like that, so that's it makes right. sense. But the ice cream on his spoon was always different. So I'm like, these are different takes. Like, how long mm. was he eating ice cream? But he had it in one of those. Wasn't it? It wasn't just like a regular bowl. I thought it was like a boat. Wasn't it like one of those? Like, like it a, looks a like a banana, banana split. Yeah, kind of bowl. exactly. That's what I. That's what I. I remember it because you could see all three. 
I remember them stacked. I'm in here watching bad movies and what does he say? <laughs> <laughs> I forget. And eating sugar and eating ice cream. Yeah. Come out and stop me. Yeah. I also like the part when he's being reckless. He's being a kid, not really paying attention or uh, caring about his well-being. And he takes the sled and he's like sliding oh, down yeah. the stairs out the door. I'll, I couldn't help but notice that those stairs Whoa. would... It, it would not allow him to slide out the door. Yeah, I noticed all. that too. And it bugs every time I watch that scene, it bugs me because I'm like, oh my God, he's going to slam into the wall. If oh, it was yeah. real life, he would have slammed right into the wall because they don't line up at all. Hmm. And also once he gets outside, he, he doesn't really think about it, you know, because he's just like having fun or whatever. And then he runs into the neighbor and he's like just terrified of the neighbor because Buzz already planted this idea in his head that like, hey, that guy's a, like a serial killer. You yeah. Know, watch out yeah. for him. And so he, the old man, like with this snow shovel, he just like, <laughs> like glares at him, and he's like, ah, and runs right. back inside. <laughs> right. His iconic right. little scream, though. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That was that was before the hands on the cheeks. I noticed. Yeah, like he would just he, scream. He never normally. did that. I think he only did that in two, huh? No, he did the hands on the cheeks when he when he oh when he shaved his face with the, yeah. yeah after, after oh, yeah. oh yeah, that's right. So that's where it came from. That's after why he's shaved, he's touching his face. Yeah. That's so gotcha. Funny. It's just because okay. of that. Hence that. Somewhere out there, by the way, there's a picture of Macaulay Culkin wearing a Macaulay Culkin face mask from Home Alone. So he's just wearing a mask of his of himself. <laughs> what? That's to, awesome. Find it. It's pretty he's, funny. He's funny. Yeah, he's, he's great. great. I love I love that guy. Is he still around doing stuff or? Oh yeah. Not really. He uh he has a baby now. Oh wow. With uh this woman named Brenda Song, who is also an actress. Interesting. You know, he was with Mila Kunis before. Yeah, I remember that. Um, at some point, and this is this is why he's great. At some point in his life, he decided to let the internet choose his middle. He was going to change his middle name, and he let the internet choose his middle name. Oh no! So he changed his middle name to Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> Macaulay. No, his name is Macaulay Macaulay Culkin Culkin, Macaulay, Macaulay, and that's illegal. Wow. <laughs> Macaulay, Macaulay, Culkin, Culkin. That's awesome. That's that's awesome. Is he still wealthy off of royalties from this movie or what? Like, because I, I feel know. like I haven't seen him actor doing anything else. No, he's acting like uh, he was in American Horror Story recently. Oh, well the New York. That. He's been doing he's been doing little things here and here and there. And he was in the the double feature one. He was in the first half of that, the vampire half of the season. Just as long as they don't do Roanoke again, because oh, goddamn. Suit. Hmm. <laughs> um, so now we're introduced to the wet bandits and uh, what they're all about. This is when we find out that that cop at the beginning with that kind of suspicious smile and that gleaming gold tooth is actually a crook. And he goes around with his his name is Harry and he goes around with his his accomplice Marv. They they basically just break into vacant houses and steal all their crap. Um, did it seem like to you guys that Harry was is the mastermind oh yeah because i feel like there isn't really like a de facto leader well i guess there is a de facto leader but there's not like an official leader you just kind of assume that harry's yeah harry definitely seems like the leader he's he's definitely the more intelligent one the half brains of the operation while marv has less than half brains i mean he keeps doing the whole you know the whole wet bandit thing the whole like flooding the place when he when they Mm -hmm. leave because it's a calling card and harry's just like you're a dumbass, but then they move on. I want to make sure that we we give credit where credit's due. 
So who plays Harry? Joe. Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. That's right. And then uh, Marv is played by Daniel Stern. So just want to make sure that they, they get their credit as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, deservedly so. Daniel Stern, of course, eventually being the voice of uh, Kevin in uh, Wonder Years. No way. Like yeah. the old version? The, the adult that. version. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> so many Kevins. It's like. Right. Such a common name or something. Yeah. <laughs> Harry and Marv, I guess their main target is the McAllister house. Because I yeah, mean, honestly, yeah, that's they, that's like the dopest house on the block. Let's yeah, be honest. They, and they talked about like, oh, they had all that stuff in there, like the VCRs and the, you know, whatever else that they talked about. Hmm. <laughs> They're like, oh, they have all this stuff in there. They almost strike it first, but Kevin actually he, he trusts his instincts, and he's like, oh no, this is some some weird shit's happening. So he actually wards them off by uh does he plays the the video right like the he blasts the video of like the shooting or whatever and no that was no, that no. was the second time the first time he wards them off he just turns on the light like they're they're like rattling oh. the basement door kind of thing and he just flips on the light and then goes and hides under the bed that's right mm. yeah and they're just like i thought everyone was gone yeah and he's he's like hiding under the bed and so he's when they find the cops finally come the, the real cop finally comes to check on him Mm-hmm. He's too scared and he won't leave the bedroom. Right. So he, he won't, won't answer, answer the, door. the door or anything. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's understandable because it's like as independent and as self-sufficient as he thinks he is. He's still just a little he's kid. Still a kid. And, he's still an yeah, and kid. He, yeah. He still has the little kid tendency. So it's like he, he gets spooked real easily and he runs and hides under the bed. But he eventually kind of talks himself out of it. He's just like, what am I doing? Like losers hide under the bed. I'm, I'm not a loser. <laughs> yeah. And so he gets out of there. And then Kate, the mom, mid-flight finally realizes that she forgot kevin <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she's just like man i keep i keep thinking i forgot something i don't i don't know did what I, it is is it the stove the stove on did i leave the fridge <laughs> open the garage no it's not the garage which they did leave the garage open because the cars were hanging half out for some reason and that's what peter is saying he's like that's what it was that's what yeah. we forgot you know oh well no big why do they why who leaves their cars half in and half out of the garage just saying he's indecisive he doesn't know they get to Paris. They try to contact the police. They try to contact anybody in the neighborhood camp because the phone lines are down for several days. Wait, do they get um, to Paris or do they only get to Florida? Yeah. No, they, no, they, no, that's in the second one. Florida is the second one. Oh, okay. All right. I used to mix that up too, but it took me a while. Gotcha. I finally got them straight. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So they're in Paris. They're at the airport. Um, the whole family, except for Kate, ends up going to uh, Peter's brother's apartment. And that's where they call from when... Um, when they're trying to call the neighbors and the wet bandits are in the neighbor's house. So isn't that weird that the neighbor's phone works, but no one else's phone? I think maybe by then that's the, the lines had come back up. They finally maybe? fixed it. So they, uh, why don't they just try their own landline? Yeah, they probably tried that too. <laughs> or maybe it was just their house or something that didn't work or something. But I could have sworn they said the whole, like the whole neighborhood or the whole street or something. I did want to give a shout out to Catherine O'Hara because she is stunning. As Kate. She is. And this is yeah. also, as great of a performance as this is, this is so different than her Shit's Creek character. Yeah, oh, Which absolutely. is also equally great. <laughs> equally great and I, in many ways surpasses her, this character. I mean, as iconic as she is in this role and like every child's mom, like I was like, if I didn't already have a great mom, you would be the one. Uh, <laughs> but but then Moira. I choose you as my mom. It. I choose you as my mom. That's right. But yeah, in uh, in Schitt's Creek, she's she is on a whole other level. She's awesome. I keep hearing that show's good and it's supposed to be next on my list to watch. So I actually feel oh. like you'd like it. So. I don't know if it's necessarily my kind of show, but I feel like you and Andrew would probably enjoy it. Yeah, Nadia is trying to get me to watch it, actually. 
you know, like with any show, it takes a little character development in the beginning. So yeah. I, I would say yeah. like the first yeah. three episodes it, ta- it, ta- it for, took for me. I just watched it because uh, one of our coworkers was saying, yeah, you should you should really check it out. My wife and I really love it. And they were further into the seasons. Yeah, that's what so I keep finally... hearing is that at the beginning, it's a little slow, but you, you have to stick with it and eventually you'll fall in love with the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I good. think a lot of it is because the casting the cast members are just so charismatic, you know, there's everyone kind of commands the scene when, when they're, it's their time. And it, I think it splits the the screen time equally between all the characters. They have such yeah. chemistry together. It's unbelievable. It's like the timing on everything. And uh, Catherine O'Hara, just uh, the fact that she is so, um, she's been doing this a long time with, uh, she's Creek. Um, I kind of think of his name right now. The father. Uh, Eugene Levy. Eugene Levy, exactly. The two of them have been doing it for a while. They've been doing uh, improv for a long time together. Oh, so, together! Wow. Yeah, they've been doing improv for a long time. Of course, Eugene is uh, iconic for being uh, Jim's dad. In American Jim's Pie. dad in American Pie, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> We're just uh, tell your mother we ate it all. <laughs> right. Um, I couldn't help but think that, like, all of the John Candy's Gus scenes. They were just kind of slogs for me. Like I, I just couldn't wait to get past those scenes. I'm like, okay, I'm kind of over this. I don't care about this Gus character. Let's get on with this. Like I feel like everyone was was interesting except for Gus. How'd you guys feel about that character? To me, I felt like it was, um, you know, because John Candy was huge, and I kind of feel like it might have been a fan service kind of thing. For that's a little rude to talk about his physique like that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll deal with it. <laughs> deal with it. And he also did play like a polka king in something else. <laughs> what the fuck is is this like in the same universe as all those other movies? No, there it was they're different names and like the bands had different names and stuff like that, but I don't know, it might have been like a throwback to that, you know, for the fans kind of thing. That's 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 what I'm thinking. I do think mm-hmm. John Candy may have been, the reason why I, I may not resonate so much with the actors because I think he was just a little bit before my time. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was. I think he was gone before. I, I would highly recommend if you ever want to see a really good John Candy movie. First, Uncle Buck. He's so endear. He's so good in Uncle Buck. That one is a badass movie. He's so funny and lovable. And then the second one I would say would be. Uh, the Great Outdoors with Dan Aykroyd. It's mm, good. Okay. It's delicious. It's fun. It's a fun one. Yeah, his brother Dan Aykroyd's character is super obnoxious. And I do like Dan Aykroyd. So Uncle Buck tops. That's also again a John Hughes movie and kills it. He's kind of playing the straight character right in this movie as Gus, and I felt like he's just not very interesting. He's nice and he helps Kate, but that's about it. I did read somewhere that he pretty much improved all his lines in the movie. And that part where he talks to Kate about parenting was uh, pretty good. I think hmm. when they, you yeah. know, she's like, Oh, I'm a bad parent. I'm a bad parent. They're in the, they're in the, the van, you know? And he's like, Oh no. I mean, if you're a bad, bad parent, we're all bad parents because we, you know, tour 49 weeks out of the year, or whatever. This guy's never even met his kid. And I left my kid <laughs> in a funeral parlor once. And, <laughs> he was there all day with the corpse and didn't speak for six or seven weeks or like he apparently he improved all that and so oh wow yeah so that that was pretty funny and uh probably yeah actually traumatized would be traumatizing for a kid so yeah so it's just like have had his his moment with kate and try and reassure her that she's not a terrible parent and stuff that's cool yeah yeah he and kate and he, he was part of the whole cast uh of improv actors he kate 
uh, uh, Catherine O'Hare and Eugene. and, um, and Eugene. Yeah, they're all part of the same troupe. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, that's Canadian cool. with with Martin Short as well. Wow. As you were, you were mentioning earlier, how Kevin McAllister was, he's becoming more self-sufficient and he's like grocery shopping and stuff. I thought it was actually kind of cute watching him and he's like going shopping for like necessities, right? So he's got like yeah. softener and like a toothbrush and all this other stuff. Tide and milk and eggs. And- yeah. 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 What else did he have in there that was totally unnecessary? I think he had some sort of like snack kind of thing. like And he says, you know, chips it's for the or... kids. He goes, it's for, it's for the kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that conversation with the that register clerk, I actually thought that was pretty, that was pretty fun. Like that was fun to listen to. Because she's just yeah. like, really? You know, she's kind of like testing him. And he was, yeah, she was knocking it out of the park. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And she's like chewing her gum, just kind of, hmm. He had like these uh, rehearsed answers already, you know, mm-hmm. like, where's your dad? Well, where's your mom? Yeah. What about your siblings? I'm an only child. <laughs> Which is actually pretty smart. Like, don't don't give it anyone like too much information about yourself. He knows oh, that from course, the beginning. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's I love that. Like where smart. she's like, where do you live? I can't tell you that. Why not? Because you're a stranger. Smart. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. She was, I, I think she was just looking out for him. But like she was just like, OK, this kid knows this stuff. And then this is when little kevin almost gets ran over by a van and this van is actually being driven by the wet bandits so that's right this is when they start to recognize each other kevin is Uh like hey you're that fucking cop earlier and then i think harry's still trying to put two and two together so because he record he sees that gold tooth right when he exactly smiles and it gleams it gleams in the light yeah and i I must say harry must practice like immaculate dental hygiene because every time he smiles it's just like bing Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. immaculate <laughs> joe pesci but like how creepy was it and it, it's kind of like when when they start turning on like that predatory mode right and so they're following him they're telling them and following they're just like him, they're like yeah. let's see let's see where this kid goes i bet he goes to that that rich house down the street kevin is smart enough to like not lead them to his house and he runs to the church instead so i thought that was that was like super smart on his end because he was trusting his instincts he's like something's wrong here like i don't trust this guy like he's obviously not a cop i don't know what the fuck his deal is mm-hmm. and his gold tooth creeps me out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so <laughs> i like how he was he was hiding in like the nativity scene he has like the the little yeah. cloak. oh that's right he got, he got right. into that thing quick <laughs> yeah he did did he have grocery bags or no i, I think his grocery bags are ripped and then it's oh, just no. like the yeah. next scene they're just gone yeah. like he, i think he just left it there <laughs> No, he got he took it oh, back wow. because uh, when the family comes back, he's like, "I got milk yesterday," you know. Kind of. Oh, thing. that's right. Yeah, because he actually does. Yeah, so laundry he, he figured he, out a way to it. take it back. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that that must have just been like a leisurely walk through the the block or something. I think that was just supposed I to think be, so. you know, yeah. a little comedy moment or whatever. That's happened to all of us, right? We're we're carrying like these heavy bags, and it's just like bam, like the bomb just blows out. Yeah. Everything falls down. You're like, fuck. Yeah. That's how I felt for him when that happened I'll yeah play. yeah i always think about that always that's the image <laughs> in my mind it. forever exactly <laughs> right. always just just boom 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 blah. just like it just plops out and he just looks down like shit what are you gonna do i used to get so annoyed though because stephanie used to work in grocery store so she knows what i'm talking about but oh. um we would get certain customers where they would like double bag double everything bag for everything. no reason or like yeah. triple bag it so it's like you got to put like paper and then you got to put the paper in the plastic and then like double bag the plastic. I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah, oh, God. I didn't, it's not I worth didn't it. have that. You just do whatever they want, but it's really, yeah, irritating. That was back in the day before, you know, paying 10 cents for a yeah. Oh, that was, bag. this was way before. Yeah, this was when they're handing out plastic bags like it was no one's business. 
Mm-hmm. For all you youngsters out there, when plastic bags were free and a lot more flimsy. Yeah, and yeah. we were we were just polluting the shit out of this earth. I know. Those Holy 10 cent bags are awesome. pretty sturdy. <laughs> yeah, they are, right? <laughs> much, much sturdier. Uh, apparently, Kevin running off to the church or whatever and like hiding in the nativity scene, that wasn't enough to really convince Harry. So Harry's like, you know what? Let's let's try out that house again because I have a hunch that that kid lives there and that he's there by himself. That's where he does the movie thing, right? The party. That's that's when he does the party. Oh, the party. Yeah. So he, he, has, like, he throws the party. Dolls. Puts the doll, yeah. He has the doll spinning on the, um, the uh, record around the record player. And he has, like, shack on the train, exactly. Yeah, they're just moving through. It probably was <laughs> Michael Jordan because it's in Chicago. Oh yeah, oh, they're like, oh, right. yeah, uh-huh. yeah. They're just moving down, just like. I don't recognize these uh, older basketball players. How dare you? How yeah, dare you're right. It's I think it is Michael Jordan. And so that's that's when they were kind of warded off again. But they're just like, what the fuck? Like every time we think that this house is empty, there's like a bunch of people in there. The next day they come. That, back that's in. when they're like, oh, it's popping at night and it's empty in the day. And so then the that's day. when he sends Marvin. Then he does the little movie thing with the firecrackers. They're like looking through the window and he's like, he decorating pokes his, his head tree. through the doggy door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, oh, that's a, I think when they actually strike, right? Later yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Never mind. Okay. Okay. But I think they see, they see Kevin go outside and he's like, he cuts off the top of the tree because he wants to like decorate a Christmas tree or something. Yeah. Oh, and then right. so oh, when they tree that he... go and get a closer look, they look through the window and they see just Kevin by himself and he sees the reflection in the ornament and he's just oh, like dad come right. help me decorate the tree and right. i think that's when they do the whole uh movie scene with the gunshot the iconic scene ah i mean that little tv do you think it was powerful enough to to even sound remotely oh, close yeah, to a gunshot not. no i mean that's why he did the little the little firecracker thing with it yeah but, and i like how he tested it out on the pizza boy first oh that's <laughs> right true, right yeah. exactly yeah uh, but he and he he accompanied some actual explosives with it, but even so, I don't think it would have been loud enough for the voices to sound convincing, like there were actual people there, you know. Yeah, in exactly. my opinion, but sure. I mean, sure. But when, he the, when, when he when he did test it on the pizza <laughs> boy, um, even as he because he had the the pizza guy go back to the back door, and then when he came running around the side of the house and came all the way to the front, you could still hear the laughter and the in the shooting. Yeah. That must have been super loud, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so good. It, it, of note, It's also noteworthy to mention that he's queuing it up on the spot because he's using a VCR, so, so he's slick, having to yeah. fast forward it. He really has it down. I mm-hmm. wanted to also mention that he better not keep it paused for too long because it will either autoplay or it will just turn off. So that will fuck yeah. everything up. Uh, depends on how old the VCR. Because <laughs> back in the day, it would just stick there for a, for a hot minute. I feel like I remember the older ones not, but then you risked warping that section of the tape if you left it oh, there. That's why they, that they put that uh, feature in. Yeah, yeah, that's what I remember. Just just hanging out. Yeah, and that was an all in one TV, right? So I had like the VCR slash oh, TV yeah. like combo. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I always thought that that was so luxurious to have is like a TV in your kitchen, like a separate one dedicated just for your kitchen. Oh, right. Well, I was just thinking about the TV VCR combo. I remember when I got one from my room when I was like in high school and I thought I was so cool. <laughs> I took that. I took it to college with me. Which I, I remember, like use the hell yeah. out of that thing. But the problem is, is that if the VCR breaks, then the whole TV has to get sent in. Oh, uh, yeah. Oof. Yeah. But um, I'll, I think it was just the fact of having a dedicated TV in your kitchen. I always felt like that's how you know you made it in life. Oh, dude! I For me, it was having a second that. floor. Nice. I always thought I always thought people were 
Like that was the height of luxury was having a two story house. White picket yeah. fence. Like the, the now the height of luxury stereotype. is having a, a big one story house because people don't like stairs. Yeah, uh, yeah, you don't have to climb up the stairs. Yeah, I would even say now at this point because houses are coming with such small lots is like to have like a full backyard. Mm. Right. Yeah. 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 Which they have a ginormous yard. It, it's weird to think that back at our parents' old house, because they had a pretty decent sized backyard. That lot would have been like, they, they would have tried to fit another house back there. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Well, That's how houses are now. did with the, the one they added on the that extra room. whole extra room. Yeah. Hmm. Which was a pretty good sized room. But I felt like if you took that away, you would see how big that backyard actually was. Right. I, I hate to uh, cut out, but unfortunately I have to uh, uh, take my exit right now. So I won't be able to finish the rest, but I'm up here, you big horse's ass. That's my favorite, favorite <laughs> line. Okay. We'll have to do uh, Lost in New York while you're in New York. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. While I'm in New York. It's been fun, though. It's always a pleasure. Uh, thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah. Have fun out there in New York. Don't get lost. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right, guys. Watch out for the sticky bandits. Find a giant a house under construction. Just just hurl bricks down it. <laughs> <laughs> you won't kill That's anyone. Awesome. That's right. No, hey, they'll just they'll, they'll walk it off. It's perfectly fine. Yeah. It's perfectly fine. All right, guys. Have a great night. All right, see you. You too. Thanks. Have a safe flight. And you were saying Kevin runs into Santa, makes a wish. Yeah, so that he he finds the Santa. He goes to like the little Santa home house or whatever, but it's closing down for the night. Get Santa go while he's going to his car and just asks for his family back and gets Tic Tacs. You know what I thought was actually kind of funny about this? So this this kind of continues on with the whole um, Kevin acting like an adult but still having kid-like tendencies. Uh-huh. So he he makes a point to mention that he knows he gets what the whole Santa thing's about. He knows that Santa isn't right. real. But he still he makes a wish. That, well, no, he says, but I know you work for him. Yeah, you work for him in some capacity, and he doesn't quite understand how like that w- this would all even work, like the semantics of this. But he's just like he makes the wish for his family to come back. How does this even work? <laughs> Maybe he goes and you know reports to him every night what all the kids said or something. But yeah, he's like he's like I know you're not him, but you work for him, so tell him, give him my message for me. And I still feel like he thinks that his wish is why they're not there. Right. Yeah, of course. Th- there's no like logical reason other than that I wish them to be gone and they're gone. He doesn't realize because he thought he didn't he didn't think they went to the airport because the cars were still there. He didn't know right. they were taking vans, and so of course he still thinks it's just magic. Yeah, they just vanished. And so he thinks that like Santa or this impersonator can just like unfinger snap his family back and then boom, they're they're good to go. That that's what I think is is so cute about it is that he thinks that Santa's like a genie or something, like wishes is well, what Santa what he, grant, can do. Yeah, he, he he brings presents, he grants wishes and the present that he wants to see is his family, so Well, I think you kinda tell him what you want. You don't really say like, I wish for my family back. <laughs> and then happens like <laughs> right. he he like will make it at his factory with his elves and then bring it to you but he can't really do that with the family yeah you never know he is kind of a mystical figure kind of mysterious right you don't really know what he's capable of he can make all kinds of stuff he can make people yeah and sometimes he makes puppies oh that's true yeah so he can make babies but he uses the storks the delivery service the stork delivery service after that kevin goes to the church he goes to the church and he sees it like very few people there he looks over and 
sees that that scary old serial killer man whose name turns out to be marley and he actually comes over and he and he smiles at him he still kind of has like that creepy like bug-eyed look though well he at first he does at first he does like when he's walking over he has that bug-eyed look and he comes over and then kevin has his scared bug-eyed look and he and he smiles at kevin and finally like his look softens he smiles at kevin and says merry christmas may i sit here or if you said merry christmas you filthy animal <laughs> right and then Kevin says, yeah. And so he sits down and that's when they start talking and he actually figures out that he has a name. <laughs> yeah. He has a name. It's Marley. He has a son. His granddaughter is singing in the church. Um, and then he finds out that he, he never got to meet his granddaughter though. He's never gotten to meet her. And he, he would, he would very much like to. And so he's, <laughs> he's, he's estranged from his son. He, they don't talk. And Kevin tells him, just call him. You never know what will happen. And even if he does, says no, yeah. like, at least you'll know. Encourages him to to kind of like make the first attempt to patch things up. Yeah. And then some of the things that they talk about, though, is that even when you're an adult, you're scared sometimes. Fear is normal and it's not something that's exactly just going to go away. You know, mm. you're going to you're going to have fears your all fears. your life. But yeah, exactly. You got to face them. And so he's encouraged to defend his home. He he doesn't say that, but like I think that's how um, Kevin interprets it, right? Like he's just like he's telling me that I need to defend my house from these crooks. Kinda, yeah. I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna defend my house. Yeah. So he gets he gets all amped up, and he's mm-hmm. that's when uh, the booby trapping begins. Oh yes, and I love how he lays out his map, his plans. Did you isn't see? it in like crayons or something? Yeah, I actually paused it, and I love how, like, at the bottom it says, like, bye, Kevin McAllister. And oh, my God. Each, like, each of the letters alternate blue and, and red. <laughs> he, like, takes the time to, like, make it all detailed and everything. Like, colorful, and, he, and yeah. And he, he still names it, because that's probably instilled in him from school. Name all of yeah. your, your work that you do. Bye, Kevin McAllister. <laughs> but, yeah, I love how he, like, he points everything out, and it's, it's very well drawn, you mm-hmm. know? Before the wet bandits strike, I wanted to say really quick that the mac and cheese that Kevin planned on having for dinner right before they showed up right. looked freaking delicious. Like that yes, thing looked did. perfect. It was like commercial grade where, you know, in the commercials, it looks like pristine and like this is like the, the sauce is perfectly gooey. Oh, yeah. This is like the best uh, mac and cheese that's ever been invented. And that's kind of what it looked like. Makes me want a good old fashioned blue box. Yeah, and it was funny because I was listening to one of my other podcasts that that I'm interested in, and um, one of the the guys on there, Chris Reagan, that's not his real name, <laughs> right? He was actually saying that he hates he he's so frustrated with the fact that Kevin never gets to eat this mac and cheese because it just <laughs> looks so delicious and perfect, and he just wastes it because he has to go defend the house. But it's right. it's not his choice, you know. He, I'm sure he expected to to have a full belly before he faced the wet bandits. But you know, that's yeah. just that's not how it happened. It's okay. I'll eat it for him. <laughs> All right. So now you want to get into the list of traps. The list of traps. There and are a the lot. List here. of injuries. Quite a bit going on here. So we'll we'll go through them in in order, I suppose. Okay. So number one is the BB gun through the doggy door. In the balls. So he gets hairy in, in the, the balls. balls. Point blank almost from what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. And, and then he gets Marv in the forehead. He sticks his head through the doggy door. Like, what the fuck? Like, what just shot you? Let me put my face in it. What do you expect to happen? Like, what are you going to be able to accomplish with your head through the doggy door? Right. And so, yeah, we, we, we noticed while Kevin was setting up that he was hosing down all the steps to his oh, house. Oh, yeah. Ahead of time. Yeah. So he, he was so... icing him. 
That's why, yeah, exactly. And so that's why Marv and Harry both eat shit in on the steps in front of their respective doors multiple times. The Harry one cracked me up because whoever whoever's the stunt double for for Harry during the scene like threw his whole body into this. So it's just like two steps up to the uh, front door and he eats shit on those steps, but he almost does like a backflip and he like lands on his neck and, and upper shoulders. And he does that twice. And so I'm like, fuck dude, like this, that stunt man was uh, holding nothing back. Seriously. One day that'll be Julian. I think Julian thinks he's going to be a stunt man. Anyway, that'd be cool. He's always, he's always falling. He's like, look what I can do. And he just falls. I'm like, all right, control falls. <laughs> that's almost like um, Stuart from Mad TV. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what reminds me. <laughs> look what I can do. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, so I love, I love how, okay. So Harry burns his hand on the door handle, branding the M into his palm, which he shows Kevin in Home Alone 2. To oh, remind he does. Him of who he is. I, if, if I, I'm pretty sure if I recall correctly. I love how, how, like, how pretentious is this family to have their front doorknob with their like last with their, name with their initial on it? You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, that's like true. their monogram or whatever. I think they do kind of uh, foreshadow that at the beginning, right? Don't they show the the handle for a second and it like gleams? Yeah. It's like it has yeah. like the M on it. So the handle is being heated up by this uh, iron or something, right? This rod on the other side. Yeah. So he has that going. That hot. was just chilling on the handle the whole time. And so, yeah, he, uh, Harry grabs the handle and it just like pssst, burns his hand like a steak. Definitely some 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 third degree burns there. And then like right after that, he gets his head lit on fire, too. So there's some more. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a classic scene for the movie because he just like sits there and he's just in shock as the top of his head gets scorched. He's just like, oh, was <laughs> <laughs> great. He goes and plunges his head into the snow. Yeah, he like um, dives in the meantime, Marv is going in the basement and tries to turn on the light, but instead pulls an iron through the laundry chute, which hits him in, dead on in the face. This would have freaking like crushed his skull. What the hell? I don't, well, I don't think it was. I mean, it wasn't like a full, like it was like, com- you know, regular nowadays commercial iron where like most of the body is plastic, right? So probably not crushing his skull, but definitely possibly giving him a concussion or something i think it would have probably like fractured his orbital bone or something at the very least maybe yeah definitely some sort of you know hospital having to go to the hospital like they, they both should this is marv we're talking about this guy he has a he has a dense head you know he can that's survive anything true. that's very true um oh and then okay so the iron and then um there's uh what was it tar tar on the the basement stairs right Oh, so and so that's where Marv shoes. loses his shoes and socks, and then he steps on a nail. Luckily, he doesn't step all the way on it, but it's it's still enough to like puncture the bomb of his foot. Yeah, he would have definitely needed um, <sighs> a, a tetanus shot. I feel like there's always something that I'm like just really sensitive about stepping on a nail. You know, in movies, like every time they have some sort of trope like that, I'm just like, mm, I don't know why it just it gets me. For me, it's the glass ornaments that get me. Oh, stepping oh. on the the crushed ornaments. Yeah, which comes right after he steps on the nail. Exactly. So it's just like <laughs> it's just you know, in his feet are getting all of this. Yeah, um, his feet are, are messed up, and he he remains f- shoeless for the rest of the movie. I don't know if you notice that, but uh-huh, like, when yeah. the, when they're chasing after him, like he still has no uh-huh. shoes. And he's kind of like hobbling on the sides of his feet because he has yeah. glass embedded in the bottoms of his feet. So. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. So, um, so then 
Harry gets in and then he walks through some plastic wrap with some glue on it and then he trips a wire that turns on the fan and gets feathered, which I'm pretty sure happens again in the second one. But it's I like tar, so. and tar and feathering in the second one. So it's like even worse. We were seeing like some like similar traps in the first and second movie. Yeah. Yeah. They both trip on the micro machines. They both trip on the micro machines and they, they eat shit yet again. Now they're they're together side by side and they're going to like double team Kevin or so they think. Yeah. So they think so they so they both get nailed in the face by paint cans. This would have killed them. Definitely land them in the hospital at very least. Imagine getting a face full like a full paint can like right to the face unblocked. I feel like it definitely would have done some damage. We're not that soft, but yeah, it definitely would have uh, needed some surgery for sure. Those cans are solid, especially when they they're full. Pretty, they are solid. And it's oh. like, he it had like extra momentum because it's like at the apex of the swing. <sighs> Boom! <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Um. Oh, yeah, that's where Harry loses his gold tooth. Oh, that that's what That Peter out, yeah. later finds on the floor and he's, Peter's just like, honey, what is this? <laughs> I hope that they, uh, they cash that in. Mm-hmm. Get some money. Get a pretty penny for that. Hell yeah. And then uh, right right after the paint cans, I was actually surprised that what finally kind of like knocks out Harry is that tripwire at the top of the stairs. Like he knocks himself <laughs> out from that and not the paint can. And he, he's just like, maybe he's not even knocked out. He's just like, I'm done. <laughs> he's just laying there. I mean, he looked unconscious. Like he was like face yeah. down for a while. Yeah. Marv almost gets Kevin. So Kevin's trying to flee up into the attic and uh, Marv gets his hand on his like pants. And if that if that tarantula wasn't there on the stairs at that moment, then Kevin would have been done for. Would he have gotten away? I don't know. But luckily that tarantula was there. And he, I like how he just gently places it like he's in a panic, but he gently places it on Marv's face. Yeah, because it's still uh, <laughs> it's still it's still someone's pet. He wants to be careful with even though it's like it, as uh, disgusting as it might be to some people, I love how it ends up on Harry's stomach, and Marv just completely nails him in the in the <laughs> in the torso with the crowbar. Oh my god! Yeah, full full blast, just boom. Yeah, that would have. I feel like that would have caused some sort of internal bleeding or something. Like, ugh. this is a full full on blow straight to the abdomen. You know? Yeah, I wanted to to mention something really quick, so. A fun fact about Joe Pesci around this portion of the movie is that because he he has a lot more screen time now, he was so accustomed to cussing in his roles that he had to consciously censor himself all the time during filming. And director Chris Columbus suggested for him to use the word fridge instead of fuck. So so Pesci (laughs) used fridge along with incoherent mumbling to keep himself from actually cussing. So that's why he doesn't figure, figure, figure. I never knew that. That's hilarious. Yeah. Because he does do that a lot. He does. That's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's like his thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Kevin definitely planned this to the smallest little details, like calling the cops and giving him his neighbor's address. Mm-hmm. So uh, did Kevin know? Did Kevin know that they had hit up this house already? No, uh, you know, I'm not sure. But the thing is, I wonder if he knows that this is the only one where... I don't know, because it's like, why would he choose that house specifically, you know? Yeah. Because there, that isn't the only house that they hit up. Yeah, it's not. I wonder if because he's, that's the last time he saw them coming out of a house and he almost got ran over in front of the house. So maybe he yeah. he just oh, like, that's... I'm just taking a bet. I think I it bet... was that house. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
You're probably right. Yeah, I think it was that house. He has the foresight to to call the police ahead of time, so that way it, it'll just get timed up perfectly. He just needs to buy some time. He's going to use the zip line, and he'll be fine. And so he actually does use the zip line to make it to the treehouse in the backyard. Mm-hmm. But Marv and Harry are like hot on his heels, and so they try to cross the zip line manually. Yeah. Doesn't work out too well though. No, they end up slamming into a brick wall. Some more, some more concussion. Oh yeah, yeah. Kevin cuts the line, and this happens to be when they're like right in the middle of it. So <laughs> they also get the uh, the full brunt of the swing right into the brick wall. Is that yeah? That's the end of the trap, huh? Like no more. Yeah, traps I think so after because after that they chase him into the neighbor house, right? Yeah, this is pretty much like the climax of the movie right here. Yeah. So Kevin flees to the neighbor's house that was cleaned out earlier by the wet bandits, and um, they actually outsmart Kevin this time. So Kevin is just like, "Come on, guys, you know, come chase me or whatever." And so Harry, finally, you know, being the brains of the the two, he was just like, "You know what? He wants us to follow him. Let's let's go someplace else." And so. You don't know where exactly they go, but Kevin, he hops into the basement of the neighbor's house. It's already flooded, so it's already like up to his knees, you know, because of uh, Marv leaving the, the faucet on. Right. Runs up the stairs to try to get inside the house, and the wet bandits are there waiting for him. And this is where he uh, delivers that signature line, hiya, pal. And, the, and they think that they outsmarted Kevin, finally. I mean, they they did, but luckily he had a tag partner in this fight, and that was Marley. Marley. Thank goodness for Marley. I don't know how the hell he snuck in there with his, like, snow gear on. Right. Well, I mean, he's he uses that stuff every single day, so he's probably used to lugging <laughs> it around. and He's very efficient. Yes. So, needless to say, wielding that snow shovel, he takes the two out and saves the day. Thank goodness. And they, he said, he just picks up Kevin and says, let's get you home. And so from, from Kevin's own window, he gets to watch the cops take away the wet bandits. And I was a little surprised by that, that hook in the door, because that was a real hook that they hung Kevin by, you know, and it's just his sweater that's holding him up. I know. I'm sure they had a harness on him, you know, but you can see the yeah. the old man, like pick him up. So it's like, it, 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 you can't really see much other than that sweater. So I wonder what was in there. I'm sure it's a harness of some sort. They have, you know, harnesses that fit under the clothes and stuff, because mm-hmm. if he was, if it was, if he was just hanging by the sweater, then it would have been choking him out. <laughs> yeah. Unless that, the sweater was just like really sturdy. It to be choking him out or it wouldn't hold him, you know? Yeah. That's all. also impressed by it. Cause I was like, wow, it's, it's like holding him. No problem. I thought it would have like ripped right off the door. And then also probably he was like, if it if not a harness, he was probably standing on something, you know? Mm, oh, maybe that's true. Yeah, that's pretty dope save, though, by Marley, yeah. because like, I don't think this takes anything away from Kevin because he he did a damn good job defending his house from those two. adults, oh, yeah. And, you know, eventually he, he just kind of got overpowered by the numbers. And so, you know, there's no shame in having help. You know, he had help from the old man oh, and the, the old man just kind of like mopped him up. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably it probably was. I mean, because let's be real, like that was probably really scary. To oh, have, man. you know, two two burglars in your house trying to get you, probably trying to kill you. Yeah. And so to have somebody, to have an adult, you know, come and rescue an eight-year-old child, like, he probably felt immense relief. And he's going to have to go to therapy for a real long time. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I wonder how badly this is going to affect him mentally. But it's like, you know, he already had the anger issues. And it's yeah. like, I wonder what's going to compound on top of this. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully uh, Kevin's going to be all right after this. Yeah. All that happened Christmas Eve. So what happens right. Christmas morning? 
He wakes up to find nobody there. His wish didn't come true. Santa did not fulfill his wish. And he was very disappointed. <laughs> Why the hell didn't he come through? Exactly. So I think he like he goes back upstairs. Finally, the, the van pulls up, unloads Kate, and she comes in the house. It hits yeah. the statue again. <laughs> probably, and I was going to say, her coming through the door probably scared the shit out of him because he, he, he doesn't know that it's going to be his mom. So he might be thinking like, oh, shit, like it's another burglar or who knows. But then, you know, she calls out to him and. I like how they played it up, too, because he comes downstairs and he's fully expecting like to see someone there. And I think as the audience are expecting like, oh, the mom should have gotten there by now. But there's no one. And so he's like looking around and then she finally walks in through the door behind him. Right. Right. So he, he like passes the front door and then like you see the door swing open. And when it closes, Kate's there. Did you notice the fact that. Kevin didn't immediately dart into her arms. Like he, he kind of like played it up almost like yeah, he, he was still he gave mad a little at her. bit of attitude. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, how'd you forget me? But then yeah. like, yeah, he, his poker face uh, melts away and then he goes and hugs her. When she said, when she said, I'm sorry. And so I wonder if he just all this time, all just, all he wanted was a little apology. Hmm. So she says, she says, I'm sorry. And then he smiles and runs into her arms. Too bad. Kids don't get that same, that same treatment. So if they fuck up and they say, sorry, the parents continue to punish him. <laughs> I said, I'm they sorry. Still, they, they still need to learn the consequences of their actions at that, at that age. That's true. Well, you know, what's kind of messed up about this though, the scene. Mm-hmm. So she went through fucking all this bullshit to get home. And she only gets home five minutes before the rest of her family. If she would have just waited and flew back, but I guess at least she felt like she was doing something like, I kind of feel that way when, um, I take like a, there's a bunch of traffic, so I take a different route, mm-hmm. and it takes the same amount of time, or maybe even a little bit longer. But you're still moving. But at least I feel like I'm doing something, you know. I think about that too. I'm like, I I think if I get off on this route, everyone's probably doing the same thing. It's probably gonna get backed up just as bad, or if not worse, like yeah. how you said. And but the thing is, I feel like breaking up the monotony instead of just being on the freeway exactly. in gridlock it at least i'm i'm getting some different scenery. like you're stopping you're going things. yeah you're like hitting some red lights you're going a different way like yeah maybe it's a little bit longer but at least you're doing something at least you're yeah something more interesting yeah like at least you're there. keeping your mind busy you know mm-hmm. so yeah sometimes I'll, I'll i'd rather uh take a longer route than sit in traffic and especially like in her situation where she was feeling very um very powerless and scared for her son this way she at least felt like she was doing something you know Mm -hmm. that's true rather than just waiting around for this friday morning flight or whatever definitely the family like they they took like the the first plane trip home and they all arrive right after kate and they're all kind of like they're kind of amazed honestly that kevin was able to survive for a few days without them they they thought he was just going to be you know a, a hot mess but yeah he somehow like he held down the fort and um everyone seemed like they were surprised and he that's when he was bragging like hey i even went grocery shopping you guys yeah because they're like oh they're talking about a um i can't they're talking i think they're talking about getting eating or breakfast or something and mm-hmm. and someone goes oh but we don't have any we don't have any milk or whatever and because they, before they left they're all trying to get rid of the milk and then you know and kevin spilled it all right and kevin's like i went grocery shopping i got fabric softener and milk and Whatever else he said. Yeah, and they're just like, "Damn, okay." So I think he's gonna he's gonna be helping out with the shopping from now on, right? And then continue even, giving him responsibility. Even Buzz is like, "It's cool you didn't burn the house down." Uh, until he gets up to his room. 
Because he cleaned, because Kevin cleaned up everything except what he did to Buzz's room. I don't think there's uh, any fixing those shells. Like he just, that was out of his hands. I mean, he could have at least cleaned up a little bit, you know? Yeah, maybe he did. Maybe he just like piled it in the corner or something. Right. Let's not forget that Kevin also sees that uh, there's a resolution in Marley's story as well. Which always pulls my heartstrings a little bit. Does whenever it really? I see that, oh yeah, whenever I see that hug when with he's the hugging music. his granddaughter. Yeah, with the music, and then he looks and he waves to Kevin and and uh, still like doesn't let go of his granddaughter. I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Chris Columbus, you did it again. I know, right? Giving me a tear. And uh, happily ever after, sort of, <laughs> until the second movie. Until next year when they decide to go to Florida, also without Kevin. That's right. That is a wrap, folks. If you made it to the end of our podcast, then you get to try out Kevin's Traps for yourself. I want to come. <laughs> Except those glass ornaments. Yeah, exactly. No, those are. we'll save those for you. Um, oh, any you. Any final thoughts or closing comments? I mean, year after year, I enjoy watching this movie. It's not just, it's not just you know a feel good Christmas movie, but it also has all these fun traps and all that uh exciting Christmassy goodness. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. still at the end of the day makes you feel good and gives you a little tear. So, what what else can you ask for from a Christmas movie except maybe some Die Hard? I don't know. You uh, kind of saw this and the second one back to back. Which one do you think is better? Do you think you like the first one better or the second one still? Man, I've always liked the second one more just because that was the one I had more exposure to. Yeah, we're more used to seeing that one. Uh-huh. Uh, I do like the second one, but I don't know. I feel like like the more the, the more I watch the first one, I, maybe the more I like it, and the more that I watch the second one, the more flaws that I find. Or at very least, the mm. biggest flaw I think that comes to mind for me is the, the pigeon lady. get Like, she makes a friend in Kevin. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of about it, you know? Hey, someone's got to take care of those pigeons, you know? Like, that's her family now. It's a happy ending for the pigeons. (laughs) But it is interesting that she kind of fills that Marley role in the second movie. Oh, yeah. she, Yeah, exactly. You're saying that hands down, the Christmas ornaments were the worst traps for you, right? Yeah. What's a close second then after the ornaments, would you say? Probably the doorknob. Oh, the branding. Okay. I feel like that would be extremely painful. Even I, I would say even more than the having your head be on fire. Because at least then you kind of have a hair buffer. Oh, that's just like metal to bone practically, you know? Oof. Yeah, I actually thought the paint cans to the face or the iron falling from the laundry chute were the worst for me. Yeah, those... They I guess could those potentially be, kill you. Yeah, those would be like more crushy kind of things. Especially if the iron like hit point first. Oh my head. god! Oh god, yeah, yeah, Jeez. like cr- crushing your head, that sort of thing. Yeah, very not great. But I guess I feel like I- I'm thinking about the ones that will. I feel like the- these are the ones, like if if it kills you, it kills you. You're not feeling that pain anymore. But if you have a bunch of glass shards in your feet, that's going to take probably hours for some nurse to pick out. That's going to be painful and horrible, and mm-hmm. probably cause infections and stuff. And then. Um, the branding, like the, you know, the burn on your hand, like that skin's going to melt right off and, you know, peel and blister and cook your meat to the bone. And just, I I don't know, I guess I'm thinking of like maximum pain if you're, if you're going to stay alive. Yeah, totally. The two home alones. And I would even say, uh, man, what was that, that movie? I don't know if you've seen this one, the one where, uh, Elijah Wood and Macaulay Culkin are both in it. 
Did you ever see that one? I think it's called The Good Boy or something like that. That does not sound familiar. Oh, it's called The Good Son. So The Good Son is where Elijah Wood's kind of like the title character, The Good Son. And then um, Macaulay Culkin is like this bad influence on him. And uh, I think there's even... And that, some, when, when was this from? 93. Wow. Macaulay Culkin's character in that movie, he kind of has like something mentally wrong with him, I think, because he he's kind of deranged in that movie. But um, that was an excellent role from Macaulay. And I felt like I didn't really see him in much after that. So it was like Home yeah. Alone, Richie Rich, Good Son. That was it. The Nutcracker. I watched that a lot too when I was young because Macaulay Culkin was like my young elementary school crush i guess oh really okay yeah with the instant overwhelming success that macaulay had from home alone do you feel like that kind of like had an an impact on him mentally like having that much success early on kind of fucks well i don't know because i mean i think it i think that kind of thing fucks with everybody's head there were there was a lot of rumor i mean this is this is what i've read about him there's a lot of rumors going around that he was like on drugs or on alcohol or on, you know, who knows what. But according to him, he never was. Those are just rumors. Like he didn't do the drugs like other child actors do. He just kind of went into obscurity, lived a life and became cool. I don't know. <laughs> As he got older, I mean, he's still a little weird at times. Like bit, I, I do but... get like a weird vibe from him, but I don't know if that's just like how he's always been or if that was because... I don't know, maybe he, he had a wild ride growing up with Michael Jackson, uh, you know, as his buddy. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, he still maintains that Michael Jackson never did anything crazy to him. Yeah, so. but the thing is, like, I don't know, like, it's hanging out, you being a child, hanging out with this grown-ass man, there's something just odd about that. Yeah, but I could see, I mean, even if I, I, I hope nothing happened, but even if something did, I guess I could kind of see him not wanting to put that attention on himself. Or, or even relive it, right? Yeah, like, exactly. I don't even know if he, if he ever dealt with that. If if you never address it, then it's always just going to be that skeleton in the closet. That's crazy. Ho- like you said, hopefully nothing ever happened. I guess, you know, developed like developed a, a kind of dry sense of humor and is pretty cool. I feel like he's like pretty chill about his life circumstances. Like he knows that he's not like super famous and doesn't do too much work, but he's like cool with his existing fans and. Obviously, has a good sense of humor if he changed his middle name to Macaulay Culkin. And, <laughs> um, but I was going to say, you should check out. I mean, it's not like it's not great in my opinion, but just check out the first half of the last season of American Horror Story just to see his character and like his role. Like, I thought he was, pre- I thought he was really good in it. Afflictionados podcast is available on all major podcast streaming services, including Stitcher, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a nice review on the streaming platform of your choice. It'll be fun to read those. Of course, new episodes drop on the first Saturday of each month, 5 a.m. Pacific. Thank you so much for the listeners out there for joining Michael, Stephanie, and I. Happy holidays, everyone. This has been Afflictionados podcast, episode 18, Home Alone, and we will see you all next time.